Pull out this insert, if you would, and let me just mention a couple of things. Every year about this time, we have people that say, we got a bonus, we'd like to do something to help people, what could we do? And there's two end-of-the-year giving projects, and one of them, uh, Myanmar is a country used to be called Burma. It's kind of east of India, and we, have, we support a ministry there that takes in orphans in this Buddhist country and raises them, teaches them, leads them to Christ, and it's a great, great ministry. And they've recently bought some more acreage, and they want to put up five more houses. And so for $11,000, we can get a house built for about 20 kids. So if you'd like to give toward that, write the check to Church of the Savior and just put orphanage in the memo line. Flip on the back, if you would. Israel is my favorite place in the world, and uh, but it's a secular place, and abortion is rampant there. They're pretty much secular people. And uh, there's very few people speaking out about life. And so we work with a ministry there that's putting together an ad campaign. And I think the whole campaign is like uh, $15,000. And so it's going to get the pro-life message to Israelis all across the country. And if you look at the facts here, for about $1.00. They estimate 100 people will see it. And for $50, they estimate 5,000 people will see this. So if you'd like to help there, just make the check out to Church of the Savior and give cash to, but indicate what you want it to go for. Okay? Well, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the Holy Scriptures. Teach us today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're talking about Mary's song. Now, it's interesting. It's called Mary's song throughout church history, but it's actually, she actually states this. So it was recorded, and we have it 2,000 years later. So starting at verse number 39. Now, at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and the baby leapt in her womb. And this is real key, underlined it. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed, everyone say the word believed, and that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Now in my Bible, there's a break in the next passage Because Elizabeth has responded, now Mary has responded back. And it is awesome. I have never studied this until this week. Mary said, my soul exalts in the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regard for the humble State of his bondservant, and behold, from this time on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. And he's brought down rulers from their thrones and exalted those who are humble. Say the word humble. He's ruled 
He has fulfilled, rather, the hungry with good things and sent away the rich, with the, sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant. I love that phrase, Israel, his servant. In remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever, and Mary stayed there. About how long? Three months. And then returned to her home. Have you ever heard of this guy, St. Augustine? Have you heard of him? Pretty amazing man. Tremendous theologian, philosopher, pastor, bishop, and defender of the faith in those early centuries. An amazing, amazing man. Augustine was from Hippo. That's where he lived. And he was born in this city to Gaste, which is a Roman colony. See in North Africa, do you see the picture? He was born there in the year 354 AD. That is today Algeria. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Now you see all kind of paintings of him. But they guess that ethnically he was a Berber. Have you ever heard of the Berbers? Not a barber, but a Berber. We had a family in this church that were Berbers from uh, Algeria years ago. And uh, they were people native to the region. So he was darker skinned than me. His hair was dark and coarse. They are amazing, amazing people. Augustine's mother was Monica. Monica was a devout follower of Christ, but uh, his dad was a pretty rank pagan who spent his entire life not listening to the things of the Lord and was converted to Christianity on his deathbed. Everyone say, yay God. By the way, how long do you pray for a wayward son till he turns? How long do you pray for a pagan husband until he becomes a man of faith. That's how long you pray. Well, Augustine, like many young people, rejected the faith of his mother, and he gave himself to paganism and a life of debauchery. Uh, It's amazing. You can be brilliant for the devil, or you can be brilliant for Christ, and he was brilliant for the devil for the first part of his life. And his faithful mother prayed for Augustine For 31 years. And it paid off. In his classic book, Confessions, Augustine had been rethinking the roots of his mother's faith. He'd actually listened to Christian uh, discourse. And one day he's walking down a street. He never saw the child, but he heard a child's voice say these mysterious words. And the words were, take up and read. Oh, take up and read. Take up and read. And he thought about that. That afternoon, he found a copy of the scriptures. He opened his Bible randomly to Romans 13, and this is what he read. Let us walk properly. In the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness or sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. That was his typical life. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. He had been hungry He just didn't know it. And that afternoon, Augustine was converted. And let me tell you what, the world was changed with his conversion because a man's heart was changed. Someone say, amen. Now, I'll get back to Augustine at the end of the message. And let's get to Mary's message, Mary's song, Mary's story. If you notice in verse number 38, and I would suggest, if you still have your Bible open, to underline the incredible thing 
this young woman said to one of the rulers of heaven, Gabriel, be it done to me according to your word. Say it with me, please. Be it done to me according to your word. Wow. Blank check, Lord. And this is one of the reasons she is so honored. Now, verse number 39, we read, she is very, very, very anxious to make a journey and see her cousin, Elizabeth. I don't know. Elizabeth was much older. I don't know if she was an older sister figure or if she was a mother figure to Mary. But she wanted to go to Judea and see Mary. And so uh, Nazareth is where she was living at the time. It was a humble little village of about 400 people. Look at it today. Now, you see the map of where Nazareth is in the north. You see she would have come to Jericho, Jerusalem, then on to Enkarin, where Zacharias and Elizabeth lived. And I've just, I've just thought reading this, how did she get there? The Bible doesn't say. I've done some behind-the-scenes research, and I've discovered she took an Uber ride. <laughs> My guess to her Apple phone, uh, she got that in the Garden of Eden. She downloaded the app, and you know, teens are really good with technology, right? So she had no problem. I guess she didn't tell Joseph that she took the Uber ride. Now, it's about 75 miles, by the way. So when Mary walks into Zacharias and Elizabeth's house, and she said, hello, I'm here, something really amazing happened. The very moment she called out, the very moment her foot crossed the threshold, the baby inside, the older woman who had never had a child, Elizabeth. By the way, what's your baby's name? John. John the Baptist. He wasn't Presbyterian. He was Baptist. He leapt for joy in his mother's womb. Can't you imagine that baby doing somersaults? Ladies, can you imagine that? He leapt for joy and instantaneous mom was filled with the Holy Ghost. Someone say praise the Lord. And is that insignificant? No, it's the big part of the story. Nothing else would have happened without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I also believe as your pastor, it was the moment the six-month-old baby was also filled with the Holy Spirit because the angel told Zacharias in the temple that he would be filled within his mother's womb. By the way, this guy John, the scripture says there's been no greater man that ever came from woman than this guy in the old covenant. He is an amazing man. Now, your, your pastor would say that the father wants every single one of his sons and daughters to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is an initial experience, but it is also a continual refilling be filled in the Spirit of God, Ephesians says. It means continually. The reason it's continually is because we leak. And we need more of him, not less of him. Someone say amen. So I want to ask you, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I want to also ask you, would you like the rivers of living water to flow in you and through you that is life-giving to everything around you? That's how Jesus described this necessary, important event. By the way, when you receive Jesus... You get a lot 
But he also wants you to receive the Spirit of God on a regular basis. So, I just want to ask you, are you thirsty? Do you want more? Are you dry? Are you hungry? He is available at the end of the service. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come up and some of us will pray for you to be filled on the spot. Now, as Elizabeth felt this, the Spirit of God downloaded into her a whole new amount of supernatural information. Matter of fact, she shouted. She screamed and she said, blessed. Everyone say, blessed. <laughs> Try to get Blessed. Are you among women? That word blessed is an amazing word. It's used six times in the passage. When you see something repeated, it's important. Six times in the passage. Now, what does the word bless mean? Technically, it means to enlarge. You had this much yesterday. Heaven has granted you this much more. And it's always good to enlarge. It means to prosper. You are better and stronger and wiser than you were the day before. And all this is a work of God. If God blesses you, it's very, very significant. And for him to for you to ask him for it is important. And for you to pray blessings on other people, it's very important because if God doesn't bless, There's no blessing. If God doesn't bless, there's no help. If he doesn't bless, there's no strength. If he doesn't bless, there's no opportunity. The door won't open without his blessing, without his favor, without his help, without his provision. Now, blessing comes to people that are hungry for God's blessing. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. But if you want it, He wants to give it because that's how he works. No hunger, no blessing. So, do you want God's blessing? I do. I want it more today than I've ever wanted it. I ask for it more than I've ever asked for. And I see it more than I've ever seen it. Now, there's this wonderful passage in Chronicles. It's just, I think, two verses. It's the prayer of Jabez. You ever heard of the prayer of Jabez? Okay, I pray it a lot, usually for just my family. Well, what's it go like? Well, this guy who's very insignificant starts praying significant prayers. And there's four parts of the prayer of Jabez. Lord, I'm asking that you bless my family indeed supernaturally, spectacularly. And I pray over my family, Lord, bless them with this. Bless them with heart. Bless them with opportunities. Bless them with favor, Father. Bless them with wisdom. Bless them, Father, with compassion. Bless my family. And then the second part of the prayer is, Lord, expand. Expand their borders. Expand their territory. Let them see. Let them have more influence than they've ever had. And the third part is, Lord, I ask that you would keep your hand on my family. And fourth, I ask, Lord, keep them from evil in the name of Jesus. That's essentially the prayer of Jabez. Now, Mary is blessed among women. Let's make a distinction, not above all women. And I just want to make a little bit of adjustment with you guys to this amazing woman, Mary. I don't want to ever ascribe to Mary what only should be given to God. Are you with me? I do not want to worship her. I do not want to see her as my mediator between me and the Father. 
I have one mediator. I don't need two. Okay? But let me also say, as someone that loves this book, I do not want to minimize the great impact this great woman had on my life. I want to always give her honor. I think my Catholic friends kind of get, they place too much emphasis on her. And I think us Protestants probably don't hardly even mention her, which is also wrong. Okay, now, Elizabeth said this. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. What is the fruit of Mary's womb? It is the Messiah. And she also said, how in the world did this happen to me? That the mother of the Messiah would be in my house. In my little office, which is about, I don't know how many feet it is that way. I have a poster from the crazy movie, The Hobbit. I liked all those stories. But the poster says this. An unexpected journey. And that has been my entire life with God. It has been unexpected. I never saw any of this coming. I never planned for any of it. He has met me along the trail and said, come on, let's go. Now, Elizabeth added also, blessed is the woman, she, Mary, that believed all that was spoken to her by the Lord. Now, look at the two words, believed. Look at the second word spoken. Why is that important? She is honoring her faith. Now, this is the best definition of faith I've ever heard, and I'll give it to you. It's short. Faith is simply believing what God said. If God said it, my job is to believe it. I don't have to understand it. I just need to believe it. I need to move forward. And I need to stand on what God said. And Elizabeth is honoring the supernatural faith of her young cousin. Now, here's an interesting fact. How did Elizabeth understand all of this? supernatural information. I tell you, because the supernatural Holy Spirit whispered it to her and downloaded it to her. The same Holy Spirit that will speak to you every single day of your life if you pay attention. That's why your pastor keeps cards in his pocket and a pen in his pocket. And I've even been writing stuff this morning. If the Holy Spirit gives me a prompt, a nudge, a word, or task, I can't depend on him to tell me twice. Because he may not. Now, the cool thing also is about this, that when God calls you to do something, it's really Awesome when he reconfirms it through somebody else. And Elizabeth is reconfirming the call on Mary's life. Okay, let's switch gears. Let's go to Mary's reply. And this is some of the coolest sayings you have ever read in the scriptures for real. Her very first response is to magnify to exalt, to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus, the Father, and to praise the Lord for his kindness. This is her very first response. And why? Because he has been so, so good. I've been trying to train myself to do the same thing. What do you mean? When I have my time in prayer, after my time in Scripture, and lately, I've, I go on prayer drives, worship music, cup of coffee, and I spend a set amount of time in prayer and worship. The first thing I attempt to do is I worship him. I exalt him. I'm not there to give him a list of my needs. Matter of fact, if I never get around to my needs, it's okay. 
My job is to worship him. My job is to, re- to lift up his name. My job is to adore him. Now, if you want your prayer life to soar, switch gears and spend the first part of your prayer time in worship. He is attracted to worshipers. Now, in church history, the passage we just read is called something. Does anybody know it? Maybe at the top of your Bible. Do you know what it's called? The Magnificat. The exaltation. The magnification of the Holy One by this mortal. And she uses, look at the phrases. She uses the phrase, he has... Eight different times. Why is that important? Well, it gives you a clue to what the whole passage is about. He has done this, and he has done that, and he has shown up for me. And this is also fascinating. I read this for years, and I missed it. Four of the lines, four of the phrases are direct quotes from the Psalms, which means... This is a young woman that had a lot of scripture memorized. You want to see your worship soar? You want to see your prayer life soar? Memorize scripture and pray it back. Also, what's interesting about this, we see how very, very personal this is to Mary. What do you mean? Look at the pronoun. She says, my soul. She says, my spirit. She says, he looked down on me. She says, all generations, I don't deserve this. But I said yes, and because I said yes, his grace, all generations will call me blessed. He has had regard, said the word regard. For my humble state, my humble beginnings, he has regard. What does regard mean? He has watched me. He has evaluated me. He has listened to me. He has been with me even when I didn't know that. He's known everything about me. And guess what? He has regard for you too. He has done great things for me. Now, What's the point, Steve, for me today? Here's the point. Are you ready? How close are you to the Lord Jesus today? Is your walk closer than it's ever been? Or do you keep going back? Well, when I was in college, when I was first marriage, or I was with YWAM, I was really, really, really close. Well, that's not good enough. How close are you today? How personal, how intimate that will he do things for you he won't do for anybody else in this region because you guys are close. Or the opposite is, is the relationship kind of cold? Is it kind of stale? Is it distant? Well, who moved? And so she's going for what God did for me, what God did for us. And a word she uses repeatedly in the text is, God has shown mercy to my people, those people that fear him. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means that you have a reverence, a devotion, a respect, that you understand that he watches you, he listens to your actions and your attitudes, and he rewards or punishes accordingly. Now, he's going to talk, she's going to talk about us, three groups of people. And this is, I think, maybe the most helpful thing to us today. The first group he, she's going to talk about are the helpless ones. Think with me for a minute. 
Is he drawn to people who are powerful, who have everything going for them, who don't need him? Or is he drawn to people who understand, I can't make it without you? Mary said, he has scattered the people that are proud, the Caesars, the Napoleons. He has pulled them down from their thrones. Do you know who this is, that last picture? Saddam Hussein, do you know what he's doing? He's in an Iraqi courtroom, and he is making a defense why he should not be executed, and his defense did not work because God took that wicked man down, just like this guy, Hugo Chavez, the dictator that ruined Venezuela, died of cancer about five years ago. These two wicked men, Hitler thought he was building something, a Reich or a reign that would last for a thousand years. I think he got about 11 years. Stalin killed about 50 million of his own people. Those are the powerful. Now, you see this, see this painting? This is a rendering of Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, saw this dream and it troubled him. Daniel's interpretation of the dream was this. You, O king, are the golden head, which means to me the greatest earthly king there ever has been, the most powerful. And then the different parts of the body of the statue, the Persian Empire was next, and then the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great was third, and then the legs were the Roman Empire. Notice two legs. You've got the Eastern Empire, you've got the Western Empire, strong iron-like march rapidly. And then you have the last empire that will rule much of the world, the empire of the Antichrist, which good chance we'll see that in our lifetime. We're kind of getting set up for things like this. But here's what's fascinating when it comes to the Christmas story. Nebuchadnezzar saw a stone that was uncut by human hands. And this stone was sent like a missile and it landed at the feet of the last empire and all the empires crumbled. Do you know who the stone is? The stone is the babe in the womb of Mary. You see the father, when he talks about the the helpless, he cares about the least. Someone say amen. He cares about those alone. He cares about the forgotten. He cares about the broken and he cares about the lost. And if he cares about them, guess what? We should care about them. I've learned more about injustice in the last six months than I've ever learned in my lifetime. And frankly, it has bothered me. I have cried and wept, and I've let the Holy Spirit deal with me, cut me, twist me, humble me, because the Father cares about people that are trapped. Micah 6 has been dear to me. What does the Lord require of me, Steve? And read this with me, please. But to do justice, to love, and to walk humbly with your God. Write that down and think about that all this week over this season. What is the Lord asking me to do? To bring justice to where I am. To be kind and show kindness on a daily basis to people. And most of all, in the eyes of the Lord to walk humbly in his presence. Now, now talking about the helpless, he, here's kind of the, the other side of the coin to the helplessness deal. 
What do you mean, Steve? It's kind of a paradoxical, wonderful thing that the people I've seen come to Christ have come to Christ because they were helpless. They couldn't fix themselves. And they had one other place to turn, and that was to the Lord, and the Lord rescued them. So here's what your pastor's thinking. If he loves the helpless, your pastor pretty much needs to stay in a helpless state. I don't need to think I've got it together or I know what's going on. By the way, I know far less than I knew when I came here 27 years ago. That may be unsettling, but it's the truth. Paul learned the same thing. that I've learned that when I'm weak, I'm actually in a better position because then I have to depend on him. The second group are the humble. Now, what does the word humble mean? Here's exactly what the word humble means. It is a powerful word. It means to stoop low or to be brought low. When you figure out you don't rule the universe, it brings you low. This is not in your notes, but I will say this. Pride, which is the opposite of humility, will get you spanked quicker than anybody any, than anything you do. I used to think the Lord was real easy on me. I could just ask forgiveness and go on about my way. But the longer I've walked with him, the more spankings I get. He spanks me for attitudes, not just actions. And he's been more strict. And here's what pride will do. Write this down if you don't write anything down. Pride leads you to think that life is about you. And if you raise your children to think life is about them, you have ruined your children. Humility is not feigned incompetence. Well, I'm not very smart and I'm not very gifted and no one likes me and I can't do this and I can't do this. I guess I'll eat worms. Well, uh, God doesn't like that. Humility is an, an internal thing. It's a posture you take. It's a choice that you make. This is also not in your notes, but it's like these draft horses. Powerful. Gifted, intelligent, but their power is yielded. I yield everything to you, mighty one. It's like Moses, the meekest man, the humblest man that ever lived. A powerful man, an intelligent man, but a man the Holy One could use. And the Holy Ghost is attracted to people that walk in humility. Now, here's what Peter said about it. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Choice. For God will spank you when you're proud, but he will give you grace to the humble Therefore, here's what you do every day. In every hard situation, humble yourself, stoop low, take the low road under the mighty hand of God, and here's the promise. When you take the low road, when you go to the back of the line, when you be the servant instead of the leader, guess what? God promises this. I will exalt you. At the right, and you won't have to do it. I will do it. So what's our goal? Our goal, I want to lift up Jesus every day. I want to magnify Jesus every day, and I want to lift up others. I want to help somebody every day get to where they need to be. That's the goal. That's the focus. Now, let me stay on this theme a minute. Your pastor is better off. If I choose humility. Because if I don't choose humility, my Heavenly Father will allow circumstances to humiliate me, to cause me to stoop low. And the last one we'll talk about today. So we have 
hunger. We have helpless. Humility. Mary said, he's filled the hungry with good things. What do you mean? Why is she talking about hunger? And though those that were content, he sent them away. Now let me tell you, hunger is a good thing. Hunger is a God-given gift to all creatures. If a person decides they're not hungry anymore, they will die. Hunger sustains all life. The issue is, what are you hungry for? Have you ever eaten a Twinkie? Don't hold your hand up. The Twinkie you ate 12 years ago is still right there on your side because they never go away. You know, what are you hungry for? Are you hungry for junk food? Are you hungry for spiritual junk food? What are you feeding on? Do you have a five-gallon tub of lard beside your chair? You just wolf it down. It goes down smooth. It'll tear your gut up beside your chair. How about you want fiber? How about some wood chips? You want to eat some wood chips? Are you a beaver? Or how about this? Rats think it's tasty. Well, it's because it's designed to kill them. Are you ingesting poison to your soul? What are you feeding on? You know why? I ask, I ask myself sometimes, why don't more people find Jesus? Like, I think it's the best deliverer. Why don't they? You know why? It's because what they feed on. Because what you feed on will cause your heart to go good. Or have your heart go bad. Here's what Jesus said about hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Worship team, would you guys come on up? So what what you want to do, what I want to do, cultivate... The hunger that will satisfy you. He's the bread of life. He's got bread that can feed you that you will never be hungry again. And it's kind of a paradox too. Well, what do you mean a paradox? The more I ingest, the more I get of my Savior, the hungrier I do get. And that is a good thing. So one thing, I'm hungrier. On the other hand, I am more satisfied. It's kind of a paradox. So, I want to stay hungry all my life. I want to be more hungry next year than I was this year because he will satisfy that hunger. And how I came to Christ? I was looking. And I was hungry. And he found me. I want to close with this. Augustine sums up his entire life with this one sentence. You want to know what it is? He said this, Oh Lord, our hearts are really, really, really restless until... They find rest in you. You know, next year, I'm believing for the best year we've ever had as a church family. I'm believing that for my family and for myself. But you know what I'm looking for at church and in my family? I'm looking for helplessness. Lord, I can't fix this. I'm looking for humility in God's presence. And the third thing I'm looking for is hunger, Lord. I don't need stuff anymore. I want you and as much as I can get. Now let's close this time in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And you folk that are watching online, Father, I pray today for hunger. 
I pray for a growing, intense spiritual hunger like we've never, ever had before right here. I pray for living waters to be here in our services, in our homes, and as we hang out with you. Fill us, Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus or you're watching online, why don't you do what Mary did? Why don't you say yes to him? Pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, come in my heart today. Be my Savior and Lord. I give you everything. Make me your child today. And I will serve you forever. In Jesus' name.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we ask, Lord, release your spirit on this congregation, on our city, on our families. We hold the line in prayer, and we say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need ministry, come down. Let people pray with you. Everybody else slip out quietly. God bless.